Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of Table Manners for Robots. This is episode number six of a very special series that we are doing. It is called Unite for Small. This is where we engage with small businesses, small business leaders in particular, and we look for solutions uh, you know, around the specific challenges that small businesses are experiencing post-pandemic. It's great that we actually get to use the term post-pandemic now as we see, as we appear to be seeing um, the final stages of uh, the COVID lockdown period. On that note, um, we decided to focus and hone in on a very particular and important sector today. It's the food sector, the food manufacturing sector. This is a vital sector in any economy for it to be sustainable and for any economy and um, a society to thrive. Um, so, so it's really good that we were able to get some experts to talk to us about the particular plight of this industry post-pandemic. On that note, I'd like to go straight to our expert guests who are really, really, you know, I'm super, I'm super excited about their backgrounds, the kind of stories that they're going to tell today. So today's pr promises to be a super exciting episode. I'm, I'm really chuffed uh, with the speakers for today. So on that note, let's go straight to our speakers and I'm going to give them the opportunity to introduce themselves. Um, Brennan, let's start with you. Uh, tell us a little bit about your background. Thanks, Karishan, and uh, good morning to everybody. Lovely to be here. So my name is Brendan Barry. Um, I've been working in, uh, in, the, in the information sector technology, specifically ERP, for about 20 years. In fact, more go so fast. Um, I focus mostly around SAP, um, and I've worked in many different industries, including retail, manufacturing, pharmaceutical, food, mining. So I've got a, a very diverse um, range of experience around different industries. My specialization is largely around the logistics processes, so things like sales and distribution, um, logistics, um, uh, manufacturing, quality management, inventory management, that, you know, all those kinds of uh, disciplines. Um, most of my, of my experience is around a large enterprise um, because that's traditionally where ERP and, and, a, and a product like SAP used to play. Um, but more recently with, uh, with developments, and we'll go into a bit more detail around that later, um, and some of the cloud products that are now available, we've been focusing more on the small to medium-sized enterprises, which is very exciting. And um, just as a, an interesting aside, my, my training is actually as a lawyer. So um, I, I somehow migrated from law into IT, which I think is a lot more exciting. Um, thanks for that, uh, Brendan, an official welcome to the show. I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna guess that there's some um, implication there that IT is superior to law, but let's not get into that. Um, let's go to Paulo. Paulo, welcome to the show, and tell us about your background. Okay, KG, thank you very much for the for this invitation. Ten seconds about me, and then for the persons that are watching the show, say they look like brothers. So I do look like you. <laughs> and uh, and why? Because mom and dad are from India, and but I was actually born in Africa. So part of me is it was born, part of me no, I was born in Angola, and with the age of two, I'm back here in Portugal. So it's splitted between the three the three continents. A little bit of me. I finished 
university with economics. So I was supposed to be like studying why the country is uh, changing the way they're doing. But you know what? After uh, two years doing it, I was like saying, this is not for me. So I changed to actually marketing and I changed to part of sales. For the last 22 years, I've been working on the company, SAP. Yes, I tried to change, but actually the company changed me. So what I'm going to share with you today is actually the result of these 22 years. Experience in Portugal, experience in Spain, experience in a little bit in terms of Europe, and the last five years experience globally. So a lot of what I'm going to share with you starts with examples of how together with our customers and our partners, we actually trying to make a difference and help companies across the world. Back to you. Okay, fantastic. Thanks, Paolo. Um, yes, indeed, we do look like brothers and uh, we won't argue at this point who the better looking one is. Um, we'll, 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 take, we'll take an audience poll soon. Um, uh, let, let's go back to, to Brendan. So, Brendan, uh, what made you specialize in this area of technology? So, it, it's a very interesting um, area of technology because it's not purely technology. So, it's a, it's a blend of uh, business processes, and technology so it's really it's getting all of those things to work together you know you need to understand the business that you're working in and the industry that you're working in and you need to understand the technology that you're working with and you've got to get them to you know to work together in harmony so it's very interesting from that point of view um, and it can make a real difference to a company you know if you if you put in a, a, a the right erp system and you put it in in the right way it can it can really help you it can drive efficiencies it can save you costs um, so, you know, to be able to deliver that kind of, um, of benefit to a company is really great. And then more recently with the cloud and, you know, the, the new products that, that somebody like SAP has, has brought to market, it really has opened this technology up to the, the, the companies that weren't able to afford it previously, you know, to the, so to the small and medium enterprise type of industry, um, you know, it's it's really opened a whole new world of opportunity for them around technology, and and it's you know this whole digital revolution and um, fourth industrial revolution, and you know all of that stuff is is so much more accessible to the to the small small and medium company. Yeah, absolutely. That's very 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 vital, and I think it's a point that we're going to have to focus on quite a lot today. Uh, Paulo, on your side, what made you specialize in this area of technology? It's a little bit what Brenda just mentioned, and. I was lucky when I arrived on SAP on 22 years ago, they gave me marketing and they gave me marketing um, to SME. And when you do marketing and sales to SME, it's a make it or break it. We arrive to a company, we share the way that these companies can work better. And after a couple of months that the project is live, you actually feel it. Every single person on that company got, were impacted by us and hopefully and we can say it on our side, we were impacted positively. So we made a difference. So year after year and after year, I, I was collecting this experience and I got addicted. Yes, I'm still in love with the job that I do because we are trying to make a difference with the companies that we work with. That's awesome. Love the passion. I love that, um, you know, that, um, that uh, story about loving your, your job. And I, and, I, and I just want to make sure that throughout the rest of the show, we hear more about all of this passion that you have around your work. So, um, folks, for those of you who are joining our show um, for the first time, just so that um, you are fully in the loop here, we do encourage a lot of audience participation. And in fact, that's one of the biggest things about our show. We definitely make the show about you. 
So we don't, we, we try to avoid scripting things in advance. We want your questions to come through live. We want to ensure that we make the best of our expert guests today. So ensure that you are getting online and you are putting your questions across, putting them forward. We will be taking them throughout the entire show. So there's no rules around it. You just keep sending them in. There is one thing I'm going to re request today that's, that's a little bit different from the past, and that is... Uh, if you could please put your question into the Q&A box. We will no longer be taking questions in the chat box. So if you could please just put your question into the Q&A box on Zoom. All right. Without further ado, let's get straight into the meat of the show, so to speak. Um, let's go to you, Brendan. You know, let's talk directly now about the situation in South Africa facing small businesses. What is your take on the plight of small businesses right now? So... Karushan, I think it's a particularly tough time for small businesses in South Africa right now. You know, we, we're living in a in a world where there's a lot of economic uncertainty, there's a lot of political uncertainty, um, our economy is shrinking, um, the um, our consumers have are seeing a reduction in their spending power. We have skills constraints in our country. We have an incapable state in many respects. Um, business confidence is down. Um, the regulations that drive uh, business and small business are, are very restrictive and um, difficult to work your way around. We have compliance requirements around things like BEE. Uh, we have a, a problem with electricity, which is obviously fundamental to industry. Um, our broadband is is insufficient and expensive. I mean, it's a long list of problems. It's actually... Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a very difficult environment for a, for, for a small company. It's in fact, for any company, but particularly for a small company to operate. And it really results in a, in a very high cost of doing business. Um, and, you know, I think it, it really leads to the, you know, you know what, do, what do businesses need to do in this sort of environment? You know, they obviously need to be more efficient. Um, they need to be able to know what their most profitable lines are and focus on those. Um, they may they need to be able to maximize the use of, of the resources that they have. Um, they need to be innovative in the way that they do business. You know, they need to seek out new opportunities. They need, need to seek out new efficiencies. Um, and, you know, part of that is obviously where we come from is we, 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 we say, you know, you can use technology to drive a lot of these things. Um, and they also need to be, to be able to achieve economy, economies of scale um, and to be able to scale in in a an affordable way, you know, so you can't just throw um, more resources at, at at the problem to make it um, to to make it grow. You've got to be able to use uh, the same amount of resources and get more out of what you have. So, you know, in in summary, it's a it's a very tough environment here right now in South Africa. Yeah, I mean, this is, uh, I can't say that uh, I'm feeling very inspired after that answer. I mean, but it's also, I think, important for us to start confronting some of these realities and just getting honest and straight about these realities. So, you know, it's only then and only then that we would be able to overcome them when we actually look at what the, uh, what the um, difficulties and constraints are. So on that note, and let's think, just, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Just, sorry, sorry, just, no to, just to add to that, you know, I think also that um you know with with all these challenges there there are also opportunities you know so we mustn't we mustn't be too depressed about it all but it's a case of being able to identify the the, 
the, the new opportunities to navigate the new realities and, and to and then to be able to take advantage of it. You know, so to, to your company needs to be able to be flexible enough and agile enough to, to do that. Absolutely. So so let's just double click on the food industry for a bit. For those of you who've just joined, we've just had a few people come in um, over the last couple of minutes. We are talking small business as usual as part of the Unite for Small series. And we are um, going a little bit deeper into the food industry today. Uh, we're talking specifically about this vital sector and some of the challenges that live in the sector and some of the opportunities like Brendan just mentioned. So we're going to keep going here. So Brendan, if you could just help us just double click a little bit into the food industry and, uh, you know, are there stricter controls um, in the food industry at this stage because of COVID? Well, you know, in general and at a global level, you know, governance and compliance is 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 becoming more and more important and much more of a factor in the day-to-day -day life of, of any business, big and small. Um, and it can be really quite onerous. And there's a lot of things that you have to comply with and keep track of. Um, and then food in particular is is obviously already a highly regulated industry there's a lot of compliance that comes with uh, with food around the you know health and safety and and that too of course is um is becoming um more and more of an issue so definitely regulation is more rather than less and um you know with the, the recent so let's let's take COVID for example obviously the way that food is is handled and treated and transported you know the, the the pandemic introduces a whole lot a whole lot of new considerations around that. So yes, it, it's becoming more, um, you know, th there's more regulation and requirements around that. And then the other issue, you know, one of the others I mentioned is around load shedding. Um, that obviously can impact on refrigeration. So you know, where you're running a cold chain, um, you know, the, the the rules around that and managing that become ever more difficult with uh, without having electricity. So yes, it's it's a highly regulated and an increasingly so industry. All right. Um, again, um, you know some of the somber truths that I think that we just need to start facing up to as we as we help decision makers make business decisions within the environment of small business and in particular the food industry. Uh, for those of you who've just joined, we've got quite a few people uh, signing up right now and. Um, just as a quick um, reminder, we have expert guests today with us. We've got people with fantastic experience, a lot of advice to give. And we really are all about making this, so, this show very engaging and very participative. So if you wouldn't mind jumping onto that Q&A box, putting your comments, your questions in there and becoming part of the show. That's, that's the beauty of this particular show. It's all about engaging with, uh, with you guys. So become part of the show. Make sure you participate and you introduce your questions into the dialogue box. Um, let's 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 not jump off too quickly on some of the bad news, so to speak, um, Brendan. Um, let's just uh, you know let's just take one last stab at the at the at the nature of the problems that that, that this industry is um, facing. Uh, are there any new regulations, perhaps stuff that we don't necessarily know about, maybe to do with the movement of food products, anything like that that we need to start becoming more aware of? Well, so I'm not I'm not a, a food safety expert as such, but you know I'm aware of things like the you know there's a lot of, of regulations that govern that govern the food industry as we mentioned earlier. So in South Africa we've got regulations 638 and regulations 918, which apparently are are in the process of changing and being updated. There are zoning compliance requirements around the uh, the way that you uh, segregate the different areas in your factory to facilitate hygiene. 
Um, there are the BRC global standards where there's a new issue eight, which is replacing issue seven. So for companies that are, are um, accre um, accredited to that standard, they need to, you know, they need to now adapt their processes. Um, and again, you know, we'll always come back and say, how can how can systems assist with that? Or they can either help or hinder it. Um, you know, so your system needs to be adaptable and flexible enough to, you know, to accommodate these these constantly changing regulations. Um, and then, you know, your system should also have processes within it, which can assist you with um, managing that compliance. So, you, you know, you need to have quality management built into it. You have to have um, batch uh, traceability. You need to be able to uh, trace expiry dates. Um, and you know you need to be able to do recalls. So you know there's there's a whole lot of stuff where uh, technology can help you with that. Um, you need to be able to um, model your your uh, factory on your system so that you know the, the movement uh, throughout your factory is is controlled and driven uh, from the system in a way that that best facilitates the um, the safety requirements. And then, you know, more recently, we've got we've got things like the Internet of Things, um, which if, you know, if uh, people haven't heard about that, it's the it's it's basically sensors which can track all kinds of information. So, for example, you can have a, a temperature sensor which travels along with a batch of, uh, of of a food product and you can know at any point in time uh, what the temperature is and, you know, to make sure that the that your cold chain is not broken. So, you know, the modern ERP systems, while they don't do that specifically, they have the, the mechanisms in which to um, communicate with that, that type of technology so that, you know, you've got a single source of, uh, of data and single source of the truth uh, that you can then, um, you know, mine later from an information point of view. Mm -hmm. So, yep, I think, you know, having the right ERP in this regulated environment is certainly an advantage. Yeah, I can I can definitely see some of that uh, legal training of yours starting to um, kick into gear there. Uh, Brendan, you seemed very comfortable citing all of these different regulations and sections and this and that, the kind of stuff that I usually get lost in. Um, but I love the way you, you, you brought that conversation into uh, the system uh, dialogue. And um, you started talking about some interesting sy systematic changes that can be implemented to make us uh, more compliant and to enable um, quick and easy um, adherence to regulation. So I think that that was very, very cool the way you did that. Uh, Paolo, you know, let's just let's just make the conversation a little bit lighter here. You know, it's starting to get quite, it's, it's it, you know, it's getting pretty doom and gloom. It's it's sounding pretty bad. Like, I mean, you, you're not South African, you're not in South Africa right now. And, and in listening to all of this, you, you might be almost giving up hope on South African small business here. Um, should, should we uh, keep going? Should we hold on or should we just give up? <laughs> Let me be 200% transparent and clear to all of them that, that is listening to us. Don't give up on us because we're not going to give up on you. What do I mean with that? If we were talking about the automotive industry, I would have really problems trying to explain how it's going to be the future because I'm not changing the car this year and I was supposed to change on SAP, but I'm not changing. SAP told me, don't change cars. Um, I'm not changing house or buying house. And, but you know what? I need to eat every single day. And I have daughters and they eat a, lot, eat a lot. So if you are on the food industry, even on the COVID-19, you are on the right spot. In Portugal and Europe, 
this is the industry that is growing exponentially. But yes, it brings up challenges, as Brenda just mentioned. You have more rules and regulations. But you know what? I'm going to transform this in an advantage to you. If you want the food industry in South Africa, and if you are able to implement the rules and regulations that are super strict in COVID-19 rule, in a couple of months, you will be ready for exporting to Europe and the rest of the world. Because if you respect the rules, you're going to be ready for international business. Okay? So, um, KG, honestly, it's challenging. Brandon just mentioned these fancy, difficult words and articles and all this. But if you accomplished it, you'll be ready for the future. Short term in South Africa, long term the rest of the world. Very, very okay. interesting take there. I really, really like that setup and it's going to lead us in uh, to this next question that I have um, that I have for you. Mm. I want to I want to just make sure that I'm inviting the, um, the audience, reminding everyone we've had a few people join over the last few minutes. And um, just just remember, guys, the show is about you. We have lined up expert guests and we've we've put them there so that you can address your questions directly to them. So feel free to send your questions through the Q&A box. We will not be taking questions and comments in the chat box this time. We will only be accepting questions and comments through the Zoom Q&A box. So make sure you go ahead and find that, become comfortable with it. And remember that that's your way of engaging with our panelists, asking, getting them to answer some of your tough questions. So go ahead and get active and let's start participating here. I hope you're enjoying the content so far. So Paolo, let's just keep going with that train of thought. Let me ask you a bit of a um, challenging question here. Focusing on market, market opportunity, if you could open a new business today, what business would that be and why? So let me share with you, to answer to that question, let me share with you my experience over summer. So over summer, uh, together with my wife and my two daughters, we used to go and select a hotel and go and stay there for one week. And usually we, we tend to change one week in a hotel, another one in another one. So we can have different experiences. But actually, do you know what is the business that is booming and boomed and exponentially this summer in Portugal? Was renting a house on top of the car, right? I don't know the English word for that. Uh, KG, the it's English a, word for that? It's an RV, a recreational vehicle. All right. Okay. Now, you know, my wife says that I invent words that don't exist in English. So that's reason. And sometimes I tend to ask to experts say. So RVs, RVs grew exponentially. If you ask me six months ago, was a dead business. I repeat, a dead business. So for the hospitality, for the hotels, if they knew about it, they would actually build up a side business saying, you have two options, or you rent the room, or if you prefer, you have the RV waiting for you, right? So what I'm asking you, the ones that are watching us is, look at the food industry, look at your industry, and double check it, because most likely, if you answering to your question is, if I was giving up for my job today, what would be the business that I would open? I would say related to food or healthcare. Related to food, challenge you that is listening to us. Um, what about opening up a different, different channel to sell your product? Are you thinking about it? Why not? Another business that is booming in Portugal is I can go to a couple of websites, company that startups of these last months, and they are telling me that they can deliver the groceries and the fresh um, food um, and fruits at my doorstep every single morning. If I go there and say, I want 
three apples a day, plus these groceries, plus this, plus this. And I pay upfront with my credit card and they deliver it. So I would open a business in food industry, but I would do it differently, respecting the new ways that we consume. KG, back to you. Very, very, very insightful conversation. Who knew? Who knew that the RV market would um, get a second wind, so to speak? Uh, we, we all know that RVs were very much in fashion at some point, and then they kind of died out. And who knew that this would breathe more life into that industry? But definitely food for thought, no pun intended. Um, just, just to add an example, a South African example to that that yeah. I was aware of, is, um, you know, we, we got uh, alcohol sales were banned in South Africa during the lockdown. And so what a lot of alcohol producers were doing were uh, changing the production of their alcohol into hand sanitizer rather than um, to drink. So it, it was a case of, of adapting what you do to the new environment um, just to, um, you know, so, so again, you know, it's, it's that agility and that, that ability to, to, to change quickly um, and adapt your environment that is so, uh, so critical, I think. Yeah, and in much the same way, uh, some people were drinking hand sanitizer instead of actual alcohol. <laughs> exactly. KG, I need to tell you another story, another business that blew Go up ahead. exponentially is yeah. to produce beer at your own home. So a couple of months ago, I received a big box from a friend of a friend, and he just shipped from Madrid to Portugal a box that uh, had the bottles and the whole thing, so I could actually produce the beer at my own place. So it's... It's up to try to understand the new reality and adapt to the new reality, fitting actually what the end customer needs. Yeah, yeah. And I think the, the example bro, uh, that uh, Brendan mentioned about repurposing a, a production line. Um, so, so we had two facets of, of, of the customer experience. So on the one hand, the production line, which is what uh, Brendan mentioned, looking at the production line, looking at an existing uh, production line and, and considering what are the different ways in which we can repurpose the same production line? That's one um, uh, you know, way of innovating. And the other way of innovating is to revisit the manner in which people consume existing services. So can we change the format of consumption so that in fact, the, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, either a new business can be born or maybe an existing business can continue to stay in business. So very interesting dimensions there. So let's start double clicking a, a little bit uh, deeper now into business operations. Um, so, Brendan, a lot of businesses don't know at this point whether to price up or price down based on, you know, this this weird change in disposable income, the way in which disposable income is being utilized, depending on whether you sit in the luxury segment or not. Um, businesses are struggling. You know, they have whittling inventory in some instances, so there is a shortage of supply. But should, does that necessarily, should that translate into higher prices? What are your thoughts? Yeah, you know, I think it's it's uh, there's probably no one real answer. Um, and it's it's about finding that the optimum balance between margins and volume, mm -hmm. um, and you know what are the what are the particular markets in your industry, um, and you know as you say with COVID, um, you may have low inventory because your suppliers were unable to supply you, um, but like you say, uh, people's incomes are are lower. So what do you do? You know you need you need to um, get some cash flowing through your business. Um, so you know it's it's um, it's a case of of just getting that getting that price in the right spot. Or you might have a higher inventory because you haven't been able to sell. So uh, going back to the alcohol industry, um, you know what do you do in that case? So people are desperate to get hold of your product, 
but they haven't been able to. Um, so you could probably achieve a higher price. And in fact, I know of cases uh, where people uh, were supplying alcohol, um, possibly not uh, through the official channels, but you know they were able to command a, a much higher price in that case. Um, so you know you've got that, but then but then um, you know maybe you've got uh, expiry dates uh, that are about to to reach their their sell by date. So you know in that case you've got to move your stock again. So you know it's really I think the key here is to have the information at your fingertips to be able to make those decisions. And you know if you've got the right tools, you can do uh, what if scenarios, and you can you know you can model the data, and you know the technology is there to help you with all of that. Absolutely. And I just want to put a, put out a big public disclaimer right the second that this show, Table Manners for Robots, does not necessarily share the views of the people that we interview. Um, if, 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 it, if it's coming across that Brendan is suggesting selling um, alcohol in the down low, I will have no part in that message and I will clear my name right the second. It was a friend of a friend. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So on that note, um, I just want to you know, re reiterate a golden nugget there. And I think that um, Brendan said it. He said it quite clearly. And Brendan, correct me if I'm wrong here. Um, there is no golden rule here. It's not about whether we should blanket price up or blanket price down. I think it's very situational. And I think that that's the one thing that COVID has taught us. It's about inspecting and looking at a specific scenario, a specific situation. We have to look at the data that's pertinent to that product and that market. We cannot say as a whole at this stage because of um, you know, re reduction in uh, disposable income or family disposable income because of job losses, etc. We can't have a blanket rule about how our pricing should work. It's all product and market dependent. And in order for that to be possible, we need systems, we need data, we need insight. Otherwise, decisions are going to be bad. All right. So let's go to um, Paolo on this, uh, on this one. Paolo, please, can you just avoid in advance um, you know, recommending any kind of illegal activity uh, just for the sake of our <laughs> show? We want to stay in business here. Um, the, the, you know, margins are very tight at the stage. There's, there's, there's less play in the system. How do we keep, uh, you know, a, a tighter handle on our, our input costs or our costs in general? Um, <laughs> I'm trying to not to say anything that is illegal. <laughs> so, KG, it's not rocket science. It's all about one word that is control. So, on the past, uh, I have a small business. Imagine that I, I can imagine because I have a chance. I had a chance on the on the past to speak with a lot of small owners of small businesses, and many of them look at me and say, "Paul, I don't need it. I in the simple Excel file I have the control. In a simple piece of paper I have the control of of, of my business." And on that time, I start asking questions about uh, about it. That especially in COVID nineteen are even more important to be answered saying, okay, very well, this is your business in this piece of paper. Tell me one thing, upstream, your providers, how many providers do you have for this, 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 and this? And then the owner of the business start looking at me saying, why are you asking these difficult questions? Because to get the margin, you have to have full control for the total value chain from upstream to downstream. Do you have the control over this in your mind? Brilliant, you are, you are Einstein. But you know what? I'm not Einstein, so I need a system that can tell me for this um, material that I need to produce, I need one, two or three potential vendors. And you know what? 
I need to double check what is the price that they are charging me right now in COVID-19 area. And yes, I will select the one that will give me the best margin. And they will be upfront, transparent for them, saying I have the control, I have a different vendor that can give me the exact same material and I'm struggling. I need to keep up my margin to keep my business. So suddenly when you show control, you have also control over the margins. An example, upstream, the, se the same thing can and should have, you have the need to have the control downstream. Absolutely. KG, back to you. Thank you. Thank you, Depaulo. Good insight. Um, so folks, um, I have Sibu uh, uh, Siso online who says, hey, KG. So hey, Sibu Siso, thank you for your hey. Um, uh, message to everyone. Uh, please go ahead, go into the Q&A uh, box, send your questions, send your comments. We've got quite a few people on the show right now who are live. Uh, if you could please just engage with us more, um, make your comments known, make your questions known so that the, uh, so we're making the best use of our experts' time. This is an opportunity for you to really pose all of those, um, you know, deep-seated questions that you've had regarding the industry, perhaps regarding small business in general. Let's make the best use of our expert guests today. All right. So now let's go uh, back to uh, Brendan here. Um, Paulo gave us some interesting thoughts in terms of this idea of how to run the business. Now, we know that South Africans, you know, we, there's a special culture that lives in South Africa, you know, amongst business owners. We have a knack for how we run our business. We, we're pretty proud of our knack of doing things. And we sometimes refute the need for systems. What is your response to this, Brendan? So I agree. You know, I think South Africans are known for their, uh, their agility, their uh, resilience, their innovation. You know, we all, we we known to to make a plan, as we say. You know, um, and also, you know, from from the 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 previous question around the the environment in which we have to work. You know, South Africans are able to to work in a tough environment, um, and and there are many many examples of of successful businesses who who who. Um, have succeeded through the, like you say, the knack or the, the the insight or the, you know, the the um, the knowledge of the owner of the business. And typically, I would say that those businesses have grown up around that individual, or maybe it's a small team of people, who you know who operate, um, you know, through uh, their own market intelligence, through their contacts, through their um, networks. Um, but that business is very reliant on that individual. Um, so there's a couple of things around that. Obviously, it works very well for them, but it's quite difficult to replicate that and to pass it on to to another team, to you know, um, to maybe to someone who wants to acquire that business. Um, and you know, today there is so much information out there. Um, you know, it can actually be confusing. You might be getting uh, mixed signals from the market, or or, or from you know, from uh, the, the information you're getting may not be reliable. Um, so, you know, you need to, I think it, it's a case of that uh, decisions are much more data driven today. And I, I don't think that the, you know, the, the um, intuitive way of, of operating versus the data driven way are necessarily mutually exclusive. You know, I think those two can operate very well together, you know, and there's, the, I don't see any harm in, in, um, in having a, a a data augmented um, decision, um, you know, which which improves the kind of or, or, or let's say validates your gut feel, you know. So I think um, there's very much uh, room for both, 
Um, and I also think that, you know, that the people are making more and more use of technology. It's becoming a, you know, almost a, a requirement that you, you know, that you have uh, the, the, the market data at your, at your fingertips. And you also have the data about your own operation at your fingertips. Um, and it's not, you know, operations are getting more and more complex. There's much more data, you know, the, like when I was speaking earlier about uh, things like Internet of Things sensors. I mean, those things are pumping out data at an unbelievable rate. And, you know, you need, you, there's an incredible amount of knowledge that can come from that data if you mine it correctly, um, which might give you insights, which you never actually realized were there if you, you know, if you just continue to re rely on your on your gut feel. So I think as, as the environment becomes more and more complex and more technology driven, I think the need to have more data driven decisions um, is, is, is becoming more and more important. So, you know, I think, I think um, there's absolutely the place for both. Um, but if you don't keep up with, with technology, I think you'll find that, that um, people who are using the the data and the technology to their advantage will will probably grow at a quicker rate or you know get further ahead in the race um, and I think as a as a as a as a last comment there if if you have systems in place which enable you to have all this data and make decisions um, in a in an objective uh, and and non um, individual way. I think it ultimately makes your company more valuable, and would you know it would be in terms of of uh, an acquisition or selling it. Um, it is you know I think that's very much an advantage. So you know build your build your um, your company around systems and processes, and it's much easier to to pass on. Thanks, uh, thanks for that, Brendan. Uh, I mean, there is a degree of um, um, politeness and sensitivity in your answer, and I think that um, if I had to. You know, distill it and, and and take 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 out the golden nugget for myself. Uh, I hear you saying that it's not just a case of, um, you know, it's not going to hurt to have additional insight. It's it's not going to it's not going to hurt to have a data augmented decision. It, it's it's more than that. In the current times with the current challenges, it's actually going to hurt not to. And I think we need to be bold enough to start making these claims and putting these uh, assertions forward because I think, um, you know, it, it is going to require a degree of a shock to the system to get people into action, you know. So it's not just a case of it's not going to hurt to back up a decision with some data. It is going to hurt not to back up a decision with data. It is going to hurt not to back up your business with, with, with systematic ways of going about your processes. It is going to hurt into the future. And, and, and this Absolutely. is the pain that we yeah. that that you know that we are seeing in the market. Um, sorry, do you want to say anything else there, uh, uh, Brendan? No, I agree one hundred percent with your summary there. Okay, okay, fantastic. So um, you know, let's 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 get into customer scenarios now. This is this is the fun part where we can actually talk about some stuff that we've seen in real life. Quick reminder to the audience: engage, participate. We get a tremendous number of questions coming through at the end of the show, so I'm inviting you to get those questions rolling sooner rather than later, so we can get to everyone. Um, and then also remember that we will be asking you for your feedback. We will drop a link into the, uh, the chat box. If you could uh, just quickly click the link in the chat box and respond to that uh, survey. We're not quite done. We're just enjoying the meat of the show right now. But uh, you can go ahead and start clicking those survey links so that we can get feedback on how you're experiencing the show and what we can do better going forward. On that note, let's get back to Paolo and Brendan here. Uh, Paolo, tell us, any customer, success, any customer story that stands out to you in your experience doing this work. 
So one of them is, and it's, I'm going to share this because it's 100% related to, to this particular industry, the food industry. So last year, I had the chance to, to flew to Colombia. A partner invited me to attend a prospect meeting and um, out of a little bit of a surprise, they asked me to speak about 10 minutes about uh, the solution that we have, SAP Business One, the small companies in, in, the, in Colombia. And they had a couple of prospects, as I mentioned, to, to listen. And yes, I'm really passionate about it. And all the everything that I lived tells me that if implemented correctly, the solution can actually make a difference. And after the 10 minutes, I was sitting in, the, in this dinner and the, a company, a company owner, co-owner, two partners, 26 years old, super young. They approached me and say, Paulo, yes, what you just mentioned, is it true? I say, what? can really help my company. And then he shared the, the dream. I'm 26 years. I realized that in Colombia, um, we have three um, uh, stops between the producer of vegetables and fruits and the restaurants. And I have the dream to cut this tree and sell from producers to restaurants directly. Okay? A cheaper product, a faster uh, to the market, a better quality to the end, to the restaurants, and yes, to the end customer of the restaurants. And I share with them saying, yes, it works. Uh, here's my business card. Make it happen. Trust in this partner. We can make it happen. A couple of months later, he dropped me an email saying, Paulo, yes, it's not working. I need your help. So I say, replied back, pick up the phone, called him and saying, the partner actually did not understand my business, did not understand my dream. And we, I cannot afford X months to make it happen. I need to make it happen tomorrow. And my, my role and my responsibility was to then stop, find the right partner in Colombia that understands the business of food, that is unique. Connect this customer with that new partner and yes, I'm lucky to say that KG, a couple of months later, he dropped me a mail saying, Paulo, the partner understood my dream. We are alive and my dream is coming true from producer to the restaurants. Okay. So my key takeaway is this. It's all about the partner that you bring to your home. He needs to understand you, your energy and the vertical, the industry that you are working on. He needs to understand, live, think about food. That is a unique business. So, KG, a story that could go wrong, but luckily it went really, really cool. So I'm happy for that. That's a, that's a great story. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Paulo, for that. So we have a, a question here from uh, Tabo, and Tabo um, mm -hmm. says that uh, he is unable to use census, uh, census information to make business decisions because it's quite outdated. And he's asking here, uh, if he wants to start a study market demands, uh, what would be the best way to investigate this, especially in a society where individuals don't necessarily have access to smartphones or even internet uh, for those who have phones? I mean, I d definitely want to challenge that assumption a little bit. I think that's the assumption that uh, the broad uh, mass usage of smartphones and internet-enabled devices, you know, that it's very restricted, uh, you know, in terms of our population breakdown. I, I do I do want to challenge that a little bit. I don't want to necessarily just agree readily that um, we have a vast uh, percentage of our population that isn't, that's not internet-enabled, even on a, on a smart device. 
Um, but with that said, I think that uh, you are posing a legit question here. So let me just offer that up to both of our expert guests. Does anyone want to make a comment on this? How do you collect uh, data about market demand, um, you know, especially in a society where not everyone is using an internet-enabled device? Brendan, you want to get back? Tackle. I can take. Uh, okay, Paolo, let's do, go. Do, share my vision, and Brendan, you complement on this. This goes back to um, the way that we want to manage our business. So, if we have these restrictions and this right now on this, this certain part of the country or of the city, we don't have that. Um, let's call it IoT devices, Internet of Things, one hundred percent enable. Then my next question is: Start with step number zero. Get the control of your business using the tools that you have right now right? Meaning, um, do you have your books ready? Do you have your value chain control? Do you know how many suppliers do you have for your different kind of uh, materials that you need to produce? Do you have the, your end value chain under control? Yes. For that, you don't need IoT devices, right? Have this under control. This will give you the structure that when the IoT reality will pop up to you, and it's just a question of time, months or years, then you will be ready to pick and embevel this in your business. You don't have to start with IoT. Brandon? Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I think that the, the other point is that, you know, um, that there is, is so much data out there. It's a case of, of being able to uh, take in that data and then interpret in a way that, that generates um, information. So there's data versus information and knowledge. So, you know, it's, it's a case of, of, uh, of, of being able to to find that data and the data is out there and I, you know I think that the the question was also around the fact that that maybe the data in South Africa could be some of it if you rely on the traditional channels could be outdated um, or could be unreliable or maybe it doesn't exist but I think that there there's so many other sources of data these days that it's you know you need the tools to be able to you know to take it in and then and you know and then we start talking about you know artificial intelligence and you know that kind of thing which can 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 um, look at these vast quantities of data and and try and extract the the trends and the information from it yeah agreed agreed folks and I, and I and I just to keep things as pragmatic as possible I want to just invite the audience to start considering uh, some very very simple ways of going about information collection I mean just about everyone's using Facebook. Just about everyone is using, you know, or um, has a Facebook account. Or there's someone in the household that has a Facebook account. And you can pretty much make that assumption quite broadly at this point. So maybe just go and look at some kind of report that gives you data on Facebook users. And, you know, there's so, so many free uh, services available right now where they give you, um, you know, trends and they give you uh, tastes and sentiments. Uh, and, and it's just a ton of um, valuable content that's uh, available out there free of charge. And if you just go and have a look on the internet, you're going to find a ton of data that you probably never expected. All right. Um, Amani, let's have a look Correction. at... Um, yeah, go ahead. I, I just, I, I wanted to go back to the, the previous question, you know, around the, an example of, of um, you know, that, that we've had, a story that we've had in, you know, around the, um, the, the use of technology. So um, we had a, a client, uh, which was a manufacturing company, and they were very much the, the kind of gut feel, um, you know, entrepreneurial, um, you know, the, grew the, 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 the company up themselves. Um, and they thought that, you know, that they had a good handle on the cost of manufacturing. Um, 
and they they weren't paying too much attention to to the detail in the system and in particular to the bills of material that they were using uh, when producing their uh, their products and you know over over a period of time they just couldn't understand um, how they weren't making as as much money they weren't as profitable as they thought they were supposed to be and um, you know eventually they 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 went into the the detail of their bills of material and they realized that, the, that some of the information in there was wrong and the, some of the costs that they thought that they were, um, were they were manufacturing against were completely wrong and you know the, the, the some of the products which they, they thought were profitable were actually costing them a lot of money so you know that was an example of of, of that of that um, gut feel type of operation versus versus a data driven or systematic driven um, approach yeah yeah, um, and, and you know, once and once we fixed that, they, they, they you know, then they then they had true visibility of what it really was costing them, and they were able to you know to change their, um, you know, the way that they worked or which products they focused on. Yeah, absolutely, and I think that in a pre-COVID market, there's a lot more play in the system to make these mistakes and to entertain these errors. Today, I do believe that it could be the difference. It could mean the difference between staying in business or going out of business. Um, all right, so we got an interesting question from Amani. And um, it says, how did you, Brandon and Paolo, manage during COVID-19? Did COVID-19 impact you negatively or positively? And if so, explain how you had to adapt or make changes to the way your businesses operate. So I think this is a huge question and I'm gonna do my best to give a one line commentary from my side and I think we'll just go around the room very quickly on that so that we can get to some other questions here. Um, I mean, I just want to want to say that obviously, I think any shock of this nature is is going to be big to any business, uh, any uh, you know any business leader, no matter how big the business is or how small it is, a shock because it's a dramatic change. And I think that we experienced that as a business. And absolutely, we did have to go to the drawing board. I would say that you know even this very show that we are presenting today, uh, this was something that was in the works for our company for a while, and it just got speeded up. We accelerated it. We, we got this entire show ready a little bit earlier than the original timeframes because we realized that it was very relevant at the time of COVID and we didn't want to disengage from the market. And the only way to keep the engagement going was to move to a digital format like this podcast webinar. So, so COVID in many respects accelerated um, our move towards a digital format. Um, so over to you, Paolo, and then we do Brendan. Okay. Uh, Katie, can you repeat the name of the, the person that asked the question? Amani. Lina? Amani. So Amani. Uh, share with a little bit of me. Over the last 12 years, I repeat 12 years, I was 100 days of out of the 365, I was away from home. I'm still married, still, my wife still says that she loves me, and I still have to my two daughters. 12 years, 100 days on the road. In March um, 13, SAP told me, you are grounded, you cannot travel anymore until we say so, uh, but you need to keep doing your job. And my job was to travel to a certain country, engage with partners, engage with customers, and try to help them to position the solutions that we, and sell the solutions that we, we have. So I had to change, I had to adapt, in the sense that, uh, as KG was saying, take advantage of the web camera that I have on the laptop. By the way, I was not never using it. Take advantage of the headset and do it, my job remotely. Good things and bad things. Let's start with the good things. My wife and my daughters are really happy because they have more time with me. And I need to understand this is a good thing for me and I'm taking advantage of it. Bad things is 
I would love to be in South Africa, face to face with Brandon, face to face with KG, and then broadcasting for, with you for you this conversation, but having the chance to to visit South Africa. So yes, I needed to change. I needed to adapt, taking advantage of technology that I have today, um, keep on doing my job, and start keep on having fun doing it. Brandon. Yeah, so very similar. You know, I, I think I'm I'm very fortunate in the sense that. Um, I work in the technology space and many of the clients that we work with have the tools and the systems where we can uh, relate to them in a remote way. So, you know, I've been, I've, I've worked on some projects, um, you know, entirely remotely, some big projects. Um, on the other side of it, you know, it, it, it means that the market that we are trying to sell the products to have had a very difficult time, some of them, you know, so not, not all the customers um, have benefited from COVID. So I think the food industry may have, have survived it better than some others. Um, so many, many clients have had to readapt. They've had to uh, reduce their spending. They've had to, um, you know, rein in costs um, until they are, uh, they just, many industries have just had to survive. You know, and that, that's a sad fact. Um, and it really, uh, you know, that, that's not good for us either. Um, so for me also, it, it there were positive sides and there were negative sides. But I think, you know, for the lesson or the the, the, the kind of takeaway from it for me or the message that I'd like to, to pass on is that, you know, if companies have the right tools, it makes this kind of uh, situation much easier to navigate. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Great, great answers there, guys. And, and thanks for being willing to share some, some personal insight there as well. A uh, comment here from um, Abby Shea. Abhishek says, great uh, session and presentation so far, enjoying it. Very informative and practical examples from the panelists on the response to questions. All right, so that's fantastic. That's good stuff. So let's see if we can thank squeeze in. Hey, what's that? I say thank you very much. That was great feedback. I'm saying that I'm recording so I can send it to my boss. So I can ask. <laughs> All right, fantastic guys. So let's see if we can um, before we before we come to uh, to a close here because we we do like to finish exactly on time. Um, let's see if we can squeeze in uh, some talk about money because obviously money is an important thing and. Um, you know, we're in business here, so we've got to make sure that the cash is coming in. There, there is a concern about, obviously, cash flow. Um, you, know, it, it, you know, how do you go about managing cash flow? And secondly, you know, you know, is this the right time to be spending on things like systems or additional tools in order to run the, uh, the business better? So let's take the, the first one there. Um, Brennan, can you give us some of your thoughts on um, cash flow? Any practical advice? Yeah, I mean, obviously... You, you, the, the most important thing that you need to know is is what are your um, you know your what do you need to pay what do you uh, what are your obligations and what are your um, your incomings you know so it's and it's quite difficult to manage that all of the time um, you know you've got some suppliers on 30 days some suppliers on 60 days some some suppliers will will require cash up front some customers you know it'll be the you know the reverse some some customers you'll insist on payment up front. Uh, some customers will pay you, say they'll pay you in 30 days, but they only pay in 60 days, you know, so it's really, and you've, you know, there's a multitude of uh, of invoices and purchase orders and, um, you know, cash that you've got in the bank and, you know, all, all that kind of thing. And you, you've got to balance all of that and know, you know, what your position is right now. And, you know, we'll, I'll come back to the system again, you know, if you've got the right system, 
and the, you've got the right information in your system, then you know it gives you a much better handle on all of that. Yeah, very, very, very good point there. And um, Paula, let's bring you into this uh, conversation about uh, money here. I mean, do you feel at this time that um, you know people should in fact be spending? What are your thoughts on this? I need to share another example that with the topic of beer. I'm sorry, Katie. So <laughs> again, this actually this uh, beginning of September, I came back from vacation, and I got a message from in in Facebook from a friend. They were saying, "I have um, a friend that needs your advice and help because he is in the beer industry in Portugal, and he actually thinking about um, changing uh, the software that uh, they use to manage the company." And then he connected me. With them and I had a conversation and I had to pop up the question saying, why now? Right? Why now? Why in COVID-19 that you're thinking about it? His answer was pretty simple, saying, This is the moment that make it or break it, that the, the management of the team realized they need to change. They need to change because they need to adapt to the new reality of everything that is available to us on the beer industry to change the way that we actually produce, ship control sell the beer okay and it's the difficult moment but this is the moment to make it or break it on the short term we need to actually fulfill the needs that we are having right now faster than our competition so most likely the restaurants and coffee cafes in in portugal um they we are still consuming and they need a answer in the split of a second so unless this company has a system that is using to control it, they will have difficult moments to, to fulfill it. And yes, back to my previous answer to you, they want to grow on the mid long term. And they, they realize that COVID-19, it's a, it's a moment that we will stop somewhere in time, someone will find the vaccine, and we, then we'll stop this. And the ones that are taking this moment, this pause to prepare themselves for the short term, also for the mid and long term, as Brandon was saying, are the ones that are going to succeed and grow. Katie, yeah. back to you. Yeah, very, very, very valid. So actually, folks, you'll find that this is the show is not actually about food. It's actually about alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, let's just say it does fall squarely into food and bev, right? Um, yes. Okay, so, so uh, Brandon, uh, seeing that we are, you know, almost at the wrap of the show, uh, do you want to just give us a quick um, idea of, you know, a lot of what we discussed today can sound a little bit overwhelming. You know, there's a, there's a whole long list of problems. There are a whole bunch of solutions out there that we could start thinking of and employing. What would you say are the absolute must-haves for a small business out there, small to medium business out there right now? So, um, like I said right in the beginning, the, this, the technology that we're talking about has, has always traditionally been um, you know, only available to those large companies, big multinationals that can afford a, a very expensive software product and it's a, a, an expensive implementation and it's expensive to run it. Um, it takes a long time. It's difficult. And, you know, what I, the, the message I'd really like to give is that, that, that all of that has changed, you know, with, with the cloud products. Um, you know, we we, we have uh, we we sell business by design by SAP, which is a it's a mid uh, a mid-sized ERP system uh, provided you know um, designed for the small to medium enterprise, and um, you know the, these systems are so much more accessible now, so much more affordable, 
And you don't, the, the thing with them is you don't have to put it all in at once. You know, you can, um, you know, we can, we can start small. Um, so you can start with, with as, as few as five users and you can put in, you know, the, the, the essential components that are going to start helping you now, and then you can grow it from there. Fantastic. Really, really, really good. Um, and I typically do a little bit of a closing, but I think I'm going to forego the closing because I see um, uh, um, I see a, a comment here or a question from Jade. Uh, Paolo, Jade would like you to answer this. Um, he says here that as SAP, uh, what is your commitment to the SME sector to help drive growth and innovation? So do you want to take that in place of my typical closing? Yes, and I'm going to connect this with also with what Brendan just mentioned is. These are really um, difficult moments and then challenging times. So our commitment to SAP, to, to the SMEs is the following. If you believe on us, if you believe that we can help you um, secure your short term and make you ready for the long term, challenge us. Challenge us to say, I'm on the food industry. What can you do to me? And as Brandon was saying, I will give you examples of bread and butter. Let me call it bread and butter. He's saying when you control the value chain, saying from beginning to end. But then we SAP are going, and together with our partners, we're going to challenge you and saying, do you know that you can use a drone to control your entire farm? And the drone can look at the plant saying, this plant is about to die because it has this uh, illness. And then in this sector of your farm, you need to actually put the pesticides in order to fix it. Is this rocket science? No, I can show you one customer that is doing it, but I'm not asking you to go to drones right now. I'm just saying, we can do the whole thing. Let's call it the basic, set up your company for the short term, and then tell me what are your dreams, and then we'll surprise you, okay? Okay, G. We are on top of the hour. Thank you very much for this opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you to our guests. I think you guys have done a fantastic job. You've given us great insight. I personally am feeling very motivated uh, from a business point of view. I really love the, uh, the kind of dialogue. Yes, we did start with a bit of a somber reality of the state of things, but I think our expert guests have given us some fantastic solutions, some things to think about, and they've de certainly delivered on the mandate of giving us food for thought. Um, thank you so much for joining. Please ensure that before you leave the show that you complete our survey. The link is in, in the chat box. It will hardly take you 30 seconds to complete. It's very important for our show uh, and for the con uh, continuity of our show for us to receive your feedback. Thank you again. Thank you to our guests and catch you next week. Thank you. Thank you.